All right, well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in on a Resurrection Sunday, and I want you all to know how much I miss you, how much I wish that you were here, uh, but for those of you that are just now dialing in, I wanted to let you know that we actually have a packed-out house here today. I know that's going to surprise you, but I'm getting to see all of your faces right now actually here in the sanctuary, and let me just tell you, you guys are all looking good. I've got some hoodlums in here. I've got some old friends in here. I've got all your beautiful, shiny faces right here with me. And uh, when I walked in and saw all y'all's pictures, I just started weeping. And uh, it's just pretty incredible what a church we have and how much I miss all of you so much right now. I miss you all so much. And I wish that you were here together with me, and it's hard to believe that for the first time since I gave my life to Jesus, we have an empty church in the sanctuary, uh, despite your pictures being here, which is awesome. And uh, so many of you, for the first time in your lives, are home today with your family. For the last nine years, actually this will be my 10th year, I have led a sunrise service out on the beach, and today it was oddly surreal when I wasn't there on the beach. They actually closed the beaches down so that people couldn't go out and have sunrise service. And, uh, but you know what? Jesus remains the same. The sun still rose, and he still lives inside of our hearts, and we're still together in the spirit. And I've got a feeling it's not going to be much longer before we're going to be back together in the church. And I have a lot of thoughts on that, which I'll be talking about this coming week as far as what's happening in our nation, what's happening with the persecution of churches, and what our response is going to be here real soon. But for today, we are going to fully celebrate the resurrection. And I'm going to teach you guys and talk with you guys about the resurrection, why it's so paramount to our faith, why it's so important for all of us. And uh, we're going to have a great time. And I, you know, I have a great imagination, just so that you know. So I can easily imagine you all here and having everybody's pictures here uh, really helps me a lot and all the little statements of course my wife's already telling me to wrap it up and I haven't even started so I don't know I'm gonna have to go a little bit longer before she actually comes back and really tells me to wrap it up but I am so thankful for all of you dialing in today thank you for staying connected with us during this time and before we go any further I just want to say a few things one this coming week we're going to be having a citywide pastor's prayer call again on Thursday, a Facebook Live prayer call with multiple senior pastors throughout our city. So please keep your eyes peeled for that. We have a Facebook page for the Corpus Christi Pastors Council, which you could follow and stay connected with all these pastors that are going to be praying together this week, which has me super excited. The pastors of our city are actually getting united together as one and praying together, some for the first time ever, across denominational lines, across doctrinal, doctrinal divisions, and that's got me really, really excited because I love my city, I love the church, and I want to see us truly become one, even in the midst of some divisions, right? And so that'll be happening this coming week, and um, I'll also probably be doing a few other Facebook Lives, so stay connected with us on Rock City. Stay connected with me personally on my Facebook page if you would like, and uh, we'll keep you guys updated on things that are happening and what our heart is going to be for the next few weeks, okay? Um, the next thing is I would like to talk about our finances. God has really taken care of us and blessed us during this time, 
And for those of you that don't know, I'm a bivocational pastor. I actually own several coffee shops here in Corpus Christi, and this time has been incredibly difficult for me. I've had roughly 11 employees that are out of work. We are limping along in ICU mode on life support at our, my coffee shops. My sales are down 80%, and those coffee shops produce about half of my own income. And for years and years and years, I've talked about putting your trust and hope in the Lord, not in your career or your finances or the things of this world. And now I get to put my money where my mouth is. And what I want you guys to know is my position never changes. My heart hurts for my employees and my staff. My heart hurts for my incredible businesses that I've worked so hard to build for so long. But I also have lordship. And when you have lordship in your life, you have a confidence and a trust that no matter what comes your way, the Lord will provide and take care of you. And I've taught on this for years and years and years. The premise comes from the fact that we're not to worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own. The premise comes from the fact that the Lord knows everything that we need before we even ask it. The premise comes from the fact that the Lord's, it's the Lord's desire the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So in the midst of job loss, in the midst of financial loss, in the midst of my own businesses potentially having to close or me not making payroll in the next two weeks, what's my position? And I'm saying that to you because I want you to know that I also am in the same spot as so many of us are together. And so I'm standing firm on God's word. I love him. I trust him. It hurts. It har it's hard. I've wept. And the reality of it is huge. But I also know that God is so much bigger. And I also know that he gave me the coffee shops. He gave me this church. He gave us each other. Everything that we have came from him to begin with. So why would we walk in doubt and fear and worry and doom and gloom? The lie of the enemy is doom and gloom. The lie of the enemy is you're not going to make it. The lie of the enemy is, and I get it, there's some very real realities of what's happening to our nation and our economy, and I hate it, and I hate what's happening, and I do not agree that shutting down the entire nation was the right decision. And I know that some things are going to have to change really quickly. But right now, in the midst of where we're at and where we stand, we're facing, facing some very difficult realities. And so what's my posture and what's my position and what should yours, your posture and your position be? And I'm telling this to you because we're in this together. We're not alone. We have Jesus. We have the body of Christ. We have family. We have incredible leaders. And yes, it, it really is awful what's happening. And I'm not minimizing it. But in the midst of that, I've learned my whole life to put greater trust and hope in him than in the things of this world. And so we've got to learn what it means to have plenty and what it means to be abased. We have to learn what it means to trust God in the good times and in the hard times. We have to learn to be emotionally stable at all times. It doesn't mean that I don't weep and cry, but it does mean that I'm not living in fear, torment, and doom and gloom, and that everything's going to turn out bad. Because I stand on God's word, which says that all things will work together for my good in the midst of every circumstance because I love him no matter what the circumstance is. And that's my word for you this morning when it comes to your finances. And I want to ask you to make sacrifices during this time. Here's why. Not because we're desperate or we won't make it or the church won't continue or there's going to be problems if you don't give. 
the reason why it's so important that we give during this time is because this is probably the greatest sacrificial time for every single one of us. I would suspect that this is the greatest hour of sacrifice for the church in every area of our lives, every area of our lives. I believe we're being refined. I believe we're being tested. I believe we're being cultivated to become something even greater than what we were. And so I want to challenge and encourage you to please give during this time. And if you have the means and the ability, make the sacrifice. Ask the Lord about what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to give and where you're supposed to give. If you are a part of Rock City Church, I want to ask you to continue to give to this church during this time. If you're a part of another church and you're watching this live stream, please give to your local church. Local churches are storehouses of help and support and resources for people in the community. I've said this so many times. God's agenda on earth in the midst of crisis is the local church, not the government, not the food shelter, it's the local church. And that partners with the food shelter. But I'm challenging you this morning to make sacrifices and to give and to trust the Lord even when it hurts. And we will see the faithfulness and the kindness and the mercy of the Lord fight on our behalf as we move forward, uh, coming to the end of COVID-19, mark my words. So there's several ways that you can give. You can give right now on our website, which is rockcitycorpus.com. You can also give via text message from your smartphone. You can text 77977 and in all caps type in Rock City Corpus, Rock City Corpus, and you can give right from your smartphone. You can also mail in a check or drop one by at the church at 10309 South Padre Island Drive in Corpus Christi, Texas, 78418. Thank you so much for giving. Let's pray. Jesus, you're so good, you're so faithful, you're so awesome, you're so mighty, and you are the conqueror of, the, of death, hell, and the grave. Thank you, Jesus, that today we're reminded of the power that you had to overcome the most difficult, adverse situations, and what looked like doom and gloom in the natural became life, liberty, and freedom in the natural. Thank you, God that we don't have to walk in fear or worry and that today the reality of your resurrection is the reality for every born-again believer all over the world. And for those that have not given their life to you or that are peering in from the outside, that have been attracted but not given themselves all the way, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to them, touch them right in their homes, their bedrooms, as they're lying on their beds, in the bathroom, wherever you're at. Lord, I just pray that you would touch them right now, right through this video feed, right into their homes, their cars, and their lives. Touch them with your presence right there, God. Lord, you are omnipresent, meaning that you are everywhere at all times. And I pray, Lord, that you would just come upon every believer and everyone watching this stream in their homes, in their houses, and touch them, Lord, with your presence and your power in your life. I thank you, God, that you do touch us because physical touch is a love language that you give. You encourage us, you comfort us, you give us gifts, and you spend time with us. And we love you so much, God, for that and for providing for us. I bless every person watching today on Resurrection Sunday 2020, and that today it all starts now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me in that prayer, and thank you again for giving. 
There's so many incredible realities when we think about the resurrection of Jesus. I've preached on the resurrection for since I gave my life to the Lord, but really in the last 13 years more than ever before. For us as Christians, the resurrection is truly the epicenter of our faith right after the cross. You can't understand the importance of the resurrection until you understand the importance of the cross. And I talk a lot about the cross. The gospel is rooted in the cross. We should know the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would have everlasting life. In the death of Christ, in his shed blood, it actually produces life for us and drives back the destroyer from destroying us and basically killing us here on earth in a bad way. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life and to give it to us eternally. And so there is a thief that hates you, there is a destroyer that hates you, but through the blood of Jesus, through the cross, we get redeemed, we get reconciled back to the Lord, and, in a, and ultimately, we get put back into the right place with Jesus the way that we should be. Because prior to the cross, all of us went astray, all of us did our own thing, all of us lived in constant sin and living for ourselves. But because of the cross, Jesus reversed that curse and gave us a way out. And I've talked about that so many times. I would encourage you to really study the cross. Go back and listen to last week's Wednesday message or listen to most any of the messages that I preach because I love to talk about the importance of the cross. It dealt with so many things. And it's very important that you understand the effect that the cross had on our lives and what the message of the cross is. But on a day like today with all of you watching at home for the first time ever, for so many of us. There's so many new friends and family that have been dialing in. Many of my old friends from my past, people I went to high school with, I just want to say thank you so much for dialing in and watching. And uh, many of you know what my life was like in my past. It's, it's fun when I have people that I used to go to dead shows with or people that I used to party with in high school or visitors come and visit here at the church. It's fun because they really did know me in who I used to be when as so many people that are part of my life never actually knew that part of me. And so what do I really want you to know in the context of the resurrection today? What I want you to know is that it all starts now. And in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of so much bad news and death and destruction and uncertainty, what if today was actually a starting point? for a new life for you, for me, and for the body of Christ all over the world. It all starts now. It all starts with a resurrection. Just three days ago, let's put it into perspective. Just three days ago, death and horror were paramount to Jesus' family and his disciples. Think about it. Just three days ago was a brutal situation for Jesus and a brutal situation for Jesus' family and his disciples. And did you know that we don't find one person literally standing with hopeful expectation for the resurrection today back in those days? No one was believing for the third day, even though Jesus had told the disciples multiple times, you don't find a, a, a surprise party waiting for Jesus when he showed up. You don't find the disciples sitting there praying and believing in hopeful expectations. Instead, what you find is, you know, uh, the, the women went to the tomb to bring the spices and to purify Jesus' body, and 
make sure that he was okay, and you found people weeping and mourning and fear, and all kinds of crazy things were happening on the third day. It was a brutal, brutal time for the disciples. In fact, the only people that remembered what Jesus had said on the third day, check this out, the only people that remembered what Jesus had said were the chief priests and the Pharisees that actually knew Jesus had said on the third day he would rise again. And I'm going to talk to you about why the disciples didn't remember it here in just a moment. But Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 64, I love to bring this up during this time of the year. Matthew 27, verses 62 through 64. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he, while Jesus was still alive, watch this, how that deceiver said, after three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. So these leaders saw Jesus as a great deceiver, and guess who they thought were the most deceived? His followers. They literally believed that Jesus was a master deceiver and that the deception that we were going through was so great that we would literally sneak away at night, steal Jesus' body away, and then declare that he's risen from the dead. And so the only way that they saw the lie of the resurrection happening was as if in our deception, we snuck him away and took his body at night. And in their minds, they saw everything about Jesus as deceptive. And they saw post-resurrection Christianity as an even greater deception. Do you know that that's still happening today? You know, as long as we're nice Christians and we obey by the rules and we do everything that we're asked to do and we stay a nice little quiet subculture, then everything will be okay. But if we actually rise up and believe in the healing power of God and believe in the Bible and stand firm on God's word in the face of this world system and those that don't believe, what happens? Persecution, we're deceived, what we believe in is not true, and that we're actually being defiant. Now, I want to say in the midst of that, my heart's to win cities. My heart's to see my city council members and my mayor and my uh, county judge and all those that are in leadership positions in my city and all over this world get born again. And the way that's going to happen is not going to be by me being just nice all the time. It's going to happen through confidence, boldness, love, and the power of God being demonstrated in our own lives. But we have to earn and win those relationships. And so in the midst of this pandemic, we've been willing to do whatever it takes as a church. I understand there's churches that have been having services. And I also know there's a lot of talk that we should have and we didn't. And there's people saying that, you know, we shouldn't be doing what we've been doing. But each person has to be spirit-led and each pastor has to be spirit-led. And what I want to say to you is this is unsustainable and will not continue for very much longer. Why? Because we were destined to be together. I love your pictures. I'm thinking about all of you that are here today, but I miss seeing you and worshiping with you and touching you and being together as a family. And we are better together than separated. And so at some point in the very near future, this is going to have to change, no matter what anybody says. And you're going to have to realize somebody is always going to think that Christians are deceived. 
and also realize that everybody that lays claim to Christianity isn't an authentic, true Christian. The KKK called themselves Christians. Not. There's so many people. Hitler probably thought he was a Christian. Not. So don't fall prey to the lie that just because somebody says they're a Christian, they really are. A true Christ follower is a disciple that stands on God's word and loves like Jesus loved and has fruit in their life that stands the test of time. You know, every tree by its fruit. And so during the crucifixion, it's important that we understand that only one disciple in Jesus' mom stood at the cross. One disciple forsook him. One disciple denied him. One disciple, or one of them sold him out. And nine of them were standing off at a distance in great fear. So you can only imagine what was happening today thousands of years ago. Now we have the backstory. We know what happened because we have the book. We have the facts that tell us what happened. But then they never really listened and understood what Jesus was saying when he talked about suffering, betrayal, dying, and then rising again on the third day. Why? Because when we talk about the fact that you have to die to live. Jesus said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. If you hate it, you'll find it. When I talk about there'll never be a resurrection until there's a death. The first thought that came to my mind back then and may come to so many of our minds is what we're gonna lose, the hardship we're gonna go through. We see the process of death as this harmful, hurting thing that at the end of the day, we don't wanna let go of. So it's hard to see what's beyond death. And that's probably what was happening with the disciples. Jesus would talk about being betrayed and all the things that he was going to be tried and convicted for when he didn't do anything wrong. And then he would say, but on the third day, I'll rise again. But the disciples couldn't perceive it and understand it. Why? Because all they could think about is what they had to give up. And they couldn't see past it on the other side. You know, for me, when I was following the Grateful Dead and a huge advocate for normal and the legalization of marijuana as I was just living for myself and partying and had some phenomenal friends, many that are my friends again now that are dialing in even right now. Back then, the thought of losing my life, and you know, now it may sound silly, but back then I loved my life. I loved my family. I loved my friends, even though I was living contrary to God's design. So I couldn't see giving it all up and that there would be something better. I couldn't see it at the time. But today I want to tell you, that when you lay your life down and you stop living contrary to God's design, when you lay down the parties and the clubs and the drugs and the alcohol and the porn and all the things that you cling to that bring comfort to your life, when you forsake all as a true disciple, guess what happens? A resurrection. An actual new and better life comes for you. The, for, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the hurts, the pain, the shame or even those things that have held you back from what God has for you that you're not aware of, God takes them all away. And so I want to encourage you today, you've got to see on the other side of death, you've got to see the resurrection of your life. And so here's what we would actually find the disciples doing today, thousands of years ago, this afternoon, here's what they'd be doing. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, which is today, when the doors were shut where the disciples were, assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. This is a phenomenal point for everybody that's watching right now and for your own friends and family. 
The disciples were hiding. They were afraid, disbelief, doubt, worry, and all these things that so many of us can wrestle with even after we have received so many incredible promises from God. They literally, you've got these promises. Jesus said they would, that he would rise from the dead. What were they doing? They were hiding in their house, afraid of the Jews, but probably destitute, probably living totally rejected. The one that they had put their hope and their trust and their life in now had been crucified and they forgot the fact that he promised he would raise from the dead. They loved him the most. They forsook all to follow him. But guess what? It's there that it would all start now. And I want to bring that into modern day. If you are feeling hopeless, destitute, afraid, if you're finding yourself in your darkest hour, Jesus wants to appear to you right now and say one of the most powerful words you could ever say. Here's the first thing Jesus said to his disciples. He said, peace be with you. Because the peace that Jesus gives is a peace that no one else can give. And when Jesus finally overcame death, hell, and the grave, when Jesus finally overcame all the lies of the enemy and actually rose from the dead, now the disciples could have true peace. But they did not see that and they didn't understand it initially. What looked like an end to them was actually their beginning. And that's why I say all the time, your end is his beginning. In the kingdom, everything is, seems backwards. The last is first and the first is last. In fact, the Bible says that better is the end of something than the beginning. Why? Because our end is actually the beginning. And what you thought was a start, what you thought was right, God ultimately comes in, rearranges your life, flips you upside down, and in turn, starts you all over again. And so I want to challenge everybody that's watching to let today officially be your end of your life so that you can walk in the resurrection and the new life God has for you. The end of Jesus' life would actually only be a better beginning. You have to see that. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Jesus' life. But without the, the culmination of a resurrection, you wouldn't have the start of what he died for and the beginning of a new life on earth the way that he intended. And this is a direct picture of our own lives. When doubt, fear, worry, uncertainty, delayed promises, and disbelief may have crept into your life, if you will respond right, your end will actually become a beginning of something so new, so beautiful, that in your wildest dreams you couldn't have imagined it. I'm living my best life right now. And it's been a process of mistakes and, and uh, persevering and overcoming hardship and, yes, suffering, but I'm telling you, I would never want to go back to the way that I was many, many years ago. And I found true love and true peace and true joy and true happiness. And every day, I only get more fired up no matter what my natural circumstances say around me. And that only comes from a resurrected life. You see, the resurrection was a starting point, not a finality. The resurrection is now a living promise of so many things. Because of the resurrection, the real life Jesus died for could now actually start on earth and specifically in you. It was a starting point and it all starts now. Let's say that together. It all starts now. In the midst of incredible darkness, oppression, 
sickness, disease, all of the uncertainty that we're facing in the world around us, the resurrection would happen and a bride would awaken to the one and only true lover she should have known. Because every other lover dissatisfied us. Now, as the bride of Christ, I'm in love with a man and his name is Jesus. And I have this intimate relationship and my love and my passion and my desire grow stronger every single day because of what Jesus did. Our end is the reality of an old that needs to pass away just like a dead seed falling into the ground. If a seed doesn't fall into the ground and die, it can't produce a new tree or a new plant or a new harvest. And so our lives are like those seeds. When we actually die like Jesus did, we would resurrect the way that Jesus did. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 says that people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. I love this scripture. I love the scripture because Jesus rose at dawn like the sun. And now he wants to rise in our own hearts in the same way, in the same concept. A new day, a fresh start. Like the rising of the sun on the seashore, he's ready to rise inside of you. And so if you're walking in the shadow of death, it seems like our nation or the nations of the world have been walking in the shadow of death. And I personally believe there's a much greater death than COVID-19. I believe eternal death. I believe the death from sin. I believe the death from lies and deception. I even believe the death of our economy and the great things that God has blessed us with is worse than the death of COVID-19. But those who sit in darkness see a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, guess where the light shines? On us and upon you. The death of Jesus would be the death of us. Meaning that when he died, we died together with him. I'm gonna explain that to you. The resurrection would now produce a new life, not for ourselves, but for him and the love he has for us. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I love this scripture. So what should our attitude be in the midst of every situation in this lifetime? It all starts now. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, when we give our lives to him, our old selves literally die together with him on the cross. And now the David Bendit that you're seeing is a man that's passionate for Christ because Christ lives in me and I don't live my life in the flesh for my own carnal desires or the things that I want, but I rather live by faith in Jesus and the things that he wants. Why? Because he loved me and he gave himself for me. He loves you and he gave himself for you. Don't fall prey to any other deceptive lie. Jesus gave his life on the cross because he loves you And he gave himself for you. And now that he lives, you can live. As a follower of Christ, the Apostle Paul saw all of his adverse situations as an opportunity for deliverance. And the reality of this to happen, and for the reality of this to happen, several things would need to take place. So so Paul constantly saw, I want you to see this, because this is a very 
prominent attitude for me and even Rock City Church, which is why I actually really have great confidence in Rock City Church. We've taught long and hard about adversity, persecution, hardship, lordship, laying our lives down. So I really am not super worried for Rock City Church because I believe that the disciples of this church and my life and the followers of Jesus that are a part of this church are going to stay strong and resilient because for years and years and years, we prepared ourselves for such a time as this, right? It's those that are brand new believers or those that don't know Jesus or those that have been on the fringe that my heart's the most concerned for. But I pray that after today, that would change because it all starts now. So check this out. As a follower of Christ, Paul always saw hardship and persecution as a deliverance opportunity. That's why we need to pray for each other. And he would literally say that through the prayers of the saints, his life would be strengthened and he would find greater freedom. He also understood that he needed a constant supply of the spirit of Jesus. He understood that he had to have an earnest expectation and never be ashamed. He had to be bold. And he had to walk in the reality of a new life that death is gain and to, and to live is Christ in us. So let's look at the scripture. Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. For I know, so he's talking about hardship. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about adverse situations and difficulties. And here's what he says. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So notice that the Apostle Paul in verse 19 says, I know that every adverse situation actually will turn out for my deliverance from two things. What are they? We got to pray for one another. Prayer, the prayer of the saints actually comes into agreement with God in intercession to bring freedom and life and deliverance for one another. That's why prayer is so important. That's why at Rock City Church every day, 9 a.m., 9 p.m., what are we doing? We're praying on Facebook Live. We're here to pray for you. So if you need prayer, you need to dial in and submit your prayer request. We have awesome family and sons and daughters and leaders and young adults and teenagers even leading. That's so incredible and so powerful. So we need the prayer of the saints. But what else do we need more than anything? The supply of the Spirit. Everybody say the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly supplying the strength and the help and the aid that we need now. Why? Because Jesus resurrected and sent his spirit. Now, I'm not going to teach on that today, but I will say this to you. Jesus told his disciples specifically that it's critical that I leave so that I would send the helper or the comforter of my spirit to help you in your life. So now, because of the resurrection, guess what we have? We have a supply of the spirit in our lives. We're not hopeless, we're not destitute, we're not alone. We have a comforter, a helper, and the Holy Spirit to lead us. So we pray for one another, we lean on the supply of the spirit, but then check this out, what Paul says. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I will be ashamed. So my question for you all this morning is, do you have an earnest expectation 
or are you living in a hopeless doubt and disbelief for the future? This is optimism at its finest. And it doesn't mean I don't call it out for what it is. If something doesn't change, we're going to see incredible loss and hurt and pain. But I'm a believer. I have an endless supply of the Spirit and a hopeful, earnest expectation that God in his kindness and his mercy will never put me to shame. And he'll never put you to shame. And that everything that we believe and stand for is true and will come to pass in the midst of great adversity and hardship. We're never going to be put to shame. But instead, what are we going to be? We're going to be bold. Let's just ask the Lord together right now to make us even bolder. I, don't, I never shy away or shrink away from adversity and hardship. And just because I may be silent sometimes or you don't hear from me doesn't mean I'm being a nice, a little passive sissy pa Peter Pan pastor. What it means is I've learned to be slow to speak and quick to listen, and I don't want to be reactive. I want to respond and be proactive the way that the Lord tells us to be. And so God's going to have his way. We're his sons and daughters and his family. So why would we walk in fear and worry? But instead, we're going to be bold. And he says, as always, so now, also Christ will be magnified where? In my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But check this out. Some people still doubt that Jesus rose from the dead, and they still don't believe in a current and future resurrection. The resurrection for me started a long time ago, 28 years ago. My best life started 28 years ago when I surrendered all and I literally died to my old self and resurrected into the new me. But every year I'm reminded of a new beginning on Resurrection Sunday. And I wanna remind you of that new beginning for you today. It all starts now. But to the doubters and to those that are watching that maybe have struggled with doubt and disbelief, I wanna share something with you that is really, really powerful biblically that puts it into perspective. This is to all those that doubt, consider this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no such resurrection of the dead? So there are people that are saying Jesus didn't raise from the dead and there's no such resurrection. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then obviously Christ is not risen. He would still be dead. And if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty, which means I'm lying, I'm deceived, what I believe isn't really true. And I want to say to that, in my best day, I could not have changed myself 28 years ago. In my best day, I could not love the way that I'm loving now. Because without Jesus, there'd be a lot of people that I don't like, I'd be a mess, I'd either be dead in prison or on multiple, multiple marriages and my life would be a disaster. You wouldn't even be hearing from me now. And so verse 15 says, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised of Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead don't rise. For if the dead don't rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then my faith is futile. And all of us are still stuck in our sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, meaning that the loved ones that put their hope in Christ that went before us will never see them again. They perish rather than in a hope of eternity. If in this life we only have a hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiable. 
So I love this. Let me break it down for you. We don't just have hope that there was and will be a resurrection. I'm not just living in a hope. I'm living in a reality. My faith is not a placebo. My life is not behavior modification. I can actually prove that, prove the resurrection. How? By what's happened to my life. And millions of Christians and believers that are on fire and sold out and transformed all over the world. Otherwise, we're liars living our best behavior modification life of deception with a futile faith. And I know atheists believe that. Satanists believe that. Unbelievers, agnostics may believe that. But I'm here to tell you on Resurrection Sunday 2020, Jesus is alive and I can prove it by how much I've become alive and how so many other believers and Christians all over the world are now living. Our faith is not futile. Our faith is a reality. It's not a placebo. It's not an I hope so. I don't just have a hope in a resurrection. I have a confident security in the resurrection. And here's the final telltale cell, uh, the, the, tell, the final telltale sign that the resurrection's a reality. I'm not stuck in my sins anymore. Woo! Man, that's awesome. This is the great news. Because of the resurrection, I'm not stuck anymore. Because of the resurrection, you're not stuck anymore. Because of the resurrection, now, the old things that kept me depressed and in bondage and nightmares and fear and worry, they're all washed away and I'm not stuck anymore. I always have a way out. Even if I make a mistake and I do sin again, there's always a way out. The greatest sign is from who I once was to who I am now. The breaking of the power of darkness that translated me into a new life in Jesus Christ. And you're only going to know what I know when you give your life to Jesus and surrender all and trust in the power of the resurrection in your own life. And so finally, I want to leave you with this. I love, 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 love these, this bank of scriptures I'm going to read to you. And we're going to close with these scriptures. And then I'm going to pray for every one of you that are at home. So get ready. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Let me just pause there for a second. We've got to be willing to lose everything to know Jesus. Everything that I've accomplished, I have to be willing to even account as loss to know him better. And so if I'm clinging to the things of this world in fear and worry, if I'm looking at my natural circumstances instead of keeping my eyes on Jesus, I will be living in torment and fear and worry. But when I keep my eyes on Jesus... Because of his perfect love and my desire to know him, I can count all those things at loss because they don't have me. He has me. Who has your heart? Jesus wants to have your heart. And there's no greater reality above everything else than to know Jesus personally. And so here's what he said. I count everything as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9. We want to gain Christ, but check this out in verse 9. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which comes by faith, which comes from God by faith. So here's the point. I can never do it on my own. This is what Paul's saying. I'm break it down for you if you didn't understand that. He's saying, I can't make myself righteous. Anything that I've tried to do, I account as loss. All I want to do is to know him, and the faith that I have in him causes me to be found by him and in turn gives me the ability and strength to live upright instead of trying to do it in my own way. Behavior modification will never cut it. And sadly, most religion, so much of Christianity is five-point behavior modification. And what you need is the Spirit of God to supply you with his life, his wisdom, his power, his understanding through his word and a desire to know him above everything else. And in turn, look what happens in verse 10. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is a powerful scripture. If you really want to know Jesus and walk in the new life God has for you, then we have to be willing to forsake all and say, Everything's a loss to know you, Jesus. My eyes are on you, and I want to be found in you, and I want to be known by you, and I want to know you, and what? The power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know the power of his resurrection? I do. How many of you want it all to start right now? A new life, a new day, an end to COVID, a new season, the power of the church rising up, unity in the body of Christ, Daniels and Elijahs and confident sons of God and daughters of God rising up as an army without fear, overcoming persecution and the lies that this world's coming against us saying that we're in deception. How many of you want that? I know I do. But if you really want to know that, you've got to see this other part. You, we've got to conform to his death. In verse 10, we have to conform to his death. Why? If you want to know the re power of resurrection... You have to know the fellowship of his sufferings, conform to his death. Why? So that you and I can be resurrected from the dead. May we all know the power of the resurrection, not just the one-time event. It's not just in it one time thousands of years ago. It's a daily resurrection power that comes from a daily laying our lives down, being willing to suffer, being conformed to his death, and understanding that in the midst of hardship and darkness and doubt, uncertainty and sickness and disease and loss and all the crazy stuff happening, Jesus has resurrection power available for you right now. Your end is his beginning. It's an ongoing, ever-present, right now, power of his resurrection. And may we count all things a loss to know him, to know his suffering and to be conformed to his death. Let's all say this together. It all starts now. It all starts now. I actually believe that we had an eternal divine setup from God that Passover would fall right now. I believe that. I believe that in the midst of Passover, which still goes on until next Thursday, in the midst of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection today, in the midst of fear, worry, just like the disciples were, Jesus is going to come and say, peace be with you. And that just as he, he was sent, we will be sent. And our response needs to be, send me now. Send me now, God. May my best life start now. It all starts right now. 
And I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that if you're walking in fear, worry, doubt, or disbelief, if you're overwhelmed by the natural circumstances, it's okay to grieve. There's a lot of things I'm grieving over. But that grief doesn't bring regret or fear or worry. My grief brings prayer for the saints. My grief actually reminds me of the cross. My grief brings me to a place of trusting Jesus more than ever before. And just as the Apostle Paul said that all of his circumstances were work out for his deliverance, I have a question for you. Are you ready to get delivered right now? Because this situation that we're facing should be bringing a deliverance for all of us. What am I getting delivered of? I'm getting delivered of a greater trust in the things of this world or a greater trust in my finances or a greater trust in my businesses or even a greater trust in politicians. I need to be set free from that even more. And so do you. I'm getting delivered from putting my trust and hope in the things of this world and now I'm coming to a place of a greater reality that says I count it all as loss. This is a deliverance time for God's church. We're coming out of Egypt and we're coming out of a slavery master mindset with the Lord and we're going to step into a father-son, father-daughter relationship or a, a bride and a bridegroom mentality with the Lord. So I'm going to pray for you right now. So right there in your home, right where you're at, I want to ask you to pray together with me. And today, if you don't know what I know, if you haven't seen what I've seen, my prayer is that you're going to know it and you're going to see it the way that I do. And the way that millions of fired up, Jesus-loving, real, true, authentic sons and daughters of God do. Real Christians. So today, let's rise up. Let's be willing to count all things as loss. And I want to ask all of you to pray this prayer together with me. Lord, today, in Resurrection Sunday, 2020, help me, God, to count all things as a loss so that I can truly find the life in you that I was destined to live. Lord, I want to know you for who you really are. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to be found in you. I want to know the power of your resurrection in my life every day. And I want to be willing, Lord. I am willing to die so that you can live in me. I ask for mercy and I ask that you'd forgive me for the doubt, the disbelief, and for going my own way. Forgive me, God, for living for myself. Forgive me, Jesus, for my failures and my mistakes and the hurts and the pains that I've caused or been through. Have mercy on my life, God. Forgive me for putting my trust in the world system or my job or my finances. I put it all in you today. And I look for deliverance right now. Set me free, God, from the fear and the torment, from the bondage of death. Set me free, Lord, and use the circumstances of this life to cause me to be everything you've called me to be. I pray that I'd come out more vibrant and stronger, firmer, bolder. And I have an earnest expectation that I'll never be put to shame. I'll never be put to shame. 
And I thank you, Lord, that even when people think I might be being deceived, that I'm not because you are a reality. And my hope is not just a hope. It's a confident trust. And it's an I know so that you rose from the dead and now live forever to fight for me and to live in me by your spirit. Thank you, God, for the family and the friends that have prayed for me and help me to pray for them. And I thank you for an endless supply of the spirit that you give to help me, to strengthen me, and to quicken me. Make me bold, Jesus. Make me bold to make my voice heard, to preach the gospel, to not allow the sufferings and the persecutions of this world to hold me back. And Lord, as we go headlong into history in the next two weeks and beyond, Lord, I thank you that you're going to show your church how to respond. And you're going to cause us, Lord, to resurrect in your power and not be afraid of suffering and being crucified the way that you were. Jesus, I need a new life. Let it all start now, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you love me enough to speak to me today. Comfort me, Jesus, in a way that only you can. I give it all to you. I surrender everything. And I look to you. I want to know you, Jesus, like I've never known you before. And I thank you that you'll reveal yourself to me. You already have. I thank you for dreams, visions. I thank you that I see your footsteps all around and I hear your voice, God. And I thank you that because you rose from the dead, you're alive. You live to change me from the inside out. And I love you, Lord. And I thank you so much for what you've done that even when we couldn't gather together, your presence fills our homes and our hearts everywhere we're at. And that, Lord, we'll never take our time together for granted again. May we never take assembling together for granted again, Lord. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, God, that even in the midst of injustice, we can rise up with boldness and true love the way that you did. Help us to love better. Help us to live our love out loud through action the way that you did. I bless every person that's watched this feed today, all of our church, Lord. I pray for unity, strength, and oneness. And I thank you, God, that soon and very soon, we will be together again. We love you. We magnify you on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah! Woo! Well, I felt you guys praying together with me, and I just want to say to all of you, if you gave your life to Jesus or you came back to him or you surrendered all, please let us know. Uh, reach out and tell someone. Share your story. Uh, feel free to contact us if you need help. This is a time where the body of Christ needs each other more than ever before. Let's cook meals. Let's help with food. Let's reach out. Let's ask the hard questions. Let's measure in love. And let's show people the greatness of the resurrected Christ in this world. I love you. Let us know what you thought about this message. Keep in contact with us. And if there's anything that you need, we're going to do the best that we can to help you. And I also want to remind you, if you can support us during this time, please do. We could use it more than ever. You can always give on our website. You can give from text to give. 
Uh, you can also send us in a check if you have the ability to support us financially. Make the sacrifice, and uh, we'll see God prove himself faithful and mighty like he always has for thousands and thousands of years. Let's reverse the curse in our life and walk in the newness of life. Don't go it alone. Get somebody to help you, disciple you, and mentor you. Stay connected to his word. Stay connected to our podcast, our YouTube live feeds, our Facebook lives. Know that we love you, we believe in you, and we care so much about you. And you know what I want you to do. You know what I want you to do. No matter how hard it is, no matter what you face, you can still stay fired up because it's not an emotion. It's a reality of Jesus living inside of us. So I bless you, and you better have an awesome, rockin', fired-up day. Yeah! Woo! Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that super fired-up, amazing, intense message that you just heard. <laughs> And we love you and we can't wait to see your faces again. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Stay connected with us. Feel free to message us if there's anything we can do for you or pray for you. Every single day, we're doing prayer times at 9 in the morning, 9 at night. And we are also doing live devos at noon every day. And so please follow us. Please stay connected with us. Know we're praying for you. We love you. And until we meet again, you better stay Fired up, yeah!